What a blessing to be able to share this time together with all of you, my friends, online community, those of you joining us for the first time, you know I'm Pastor Terry. So happy you're with us right now. I wanna continue on in our journey to Christmas. I'm so excited about what we're doing together. We're sitting with the account of Zacharias and the miraculous birth of John, the one who was destined to prepare the way for Messiah Jesus. We're talking about John the Baptist. And there are two things that from the very outset, I just want us to be thinking about, things that I'm gonna highlight. One has to do with the power of attitude. That's right, the power of attitude, about our capacity to choose our response to things that would disappoint us. And then the second one is the power of faith to unlock things, to open things up at a spiritual level in our lives. And correspondingly, the, the power of unbelief to, to lock things up and close things down. So if faith has the ability to open things up, unbelief has the ability to close things down. And I want to talk about how our life can be, you know, with God, a mixture of both. So even now, Lord, I just want to pray that there would come from this time uh, real growth in our hearts and an increased faith in you and what you can do. Help us to learn together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin and read one more time from Luke 1. Those of you who followed along the last two weeks, uh, you're aware of where we are. I know not everyone would necessarily be uh, aware, but if you haven't had a chance, go back and review those teachings. But I want to read from Luke 1 to set up where we want to go today. And I'm actually going to read it from uh, the message translation just to mix it up a little bit. In verse 5, it says this, During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest assigned service in the regiment of Abijah. His name was Zechariah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Together they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before, the, before God. But they were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive. And now they were quite old. And it so happened that as Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment, it came his one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. Talked a lot about that again last week. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of the incense offering and unannounced the angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was he was just paralyzed in fear. But the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son by you, and you are to name him John. Now, John's name, as we mentioned last week, means God shows favor or the grace of God. And again, we may assume that their understanding was that God had said no to their long ago prayers. <laughs> so this came as a stunning surprise. Just something for us to be aware of. When it comes to prayers, and prayers that we bring before the Lord, things that we're asking God to do, I like to think of it as having four categories. 
in terms of how the Lord responds to those prayers. In some cases, our long ago prayers. Sometimes the Lord says yes to our prayers and we get an answer. Other times the Lord says no. And it's as if God is saying, I have another way that I am going to do things. Sometimes the Lord's answer is grow and sometimes the answer is slow. So yes, no, grow, slow. Again, sometimes the Lord says yes, sometimes he says no, not in this life for sure, or not in the way we were thinking. Sometimes he says grow, that is some things need to happen inside of us first, right? I mean, we're not ready for what we're asking for. And then there are other times where the Lord says, you know, and we're gonna have to grow before God can answer that prayer the way we were hoping. Other times the Lord says slow, as in not yet. Maybe somewhere down the road, someday down the road, it, it, in his time, so to speak. So yes, no, grow slow. And perhaps at one point, <laughs> they, Zechariah and Elizabeth, had assumed slow, but over time, they took it as a no. They had always wanted a son. I mean, a child, any child, really. But they had never been given one, and they, we know, prayed for that to happen. And perhaps they said, well, you know, maybe God will when it, in his time. But as time passed and they grew old, older, they just assumed that the answer for them was no. As, as, as if, well, you know, God has reasons and he has reasons for not intervening with natural things. Remember, it was not God who made her barren. That was natural. That was just a part of their life as, as human beings, right? It was part of uh, uh, Elizabeth's overall health and, and capacity. And, and, yeah, but God had chosen not to intervene with that natural course of things. And so when it came to the prayers that they were hoping to have answered, it wasn't so much that, that they felt, well, God had made her barren. It was more that, Lord, will you touch uh, Elizabeth's womb in such a way that she can have a child? And I'm sure if they, if they are like us, uh, that reality was a particularly hard pill to swallow. Um, and yet they had nonetheless decided not to allow her barrenness to make them bitter. I, I think I need to say that one more time. They, they had not allowed her barrenness to make them bitter. They chose not to allow their, their incapacity to have children with all of its sadness and melancholy to overwhelm their joy of life, their love for God and his ways, and their love for one another. Remember, I, I talked about this. Instead of driving them apart, which sometimes deep disappointment in life can do to a married couple, especially tragedy or trauma, it often pushes people apart. That can happen in friendships as well. It happens in a church community as well. It happens in families. But specifically, I'm thinking about a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife where things, don't go the way we were hoping and sometimes go in a, in a very different way. And it can, and those, those traumatic things, those painful things can actually drive us apart 
or they can bring us closer together if we tie the Lord around that relationship. And that seems to be what Zacharias and, and uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth did. They, they, they allow God to use their disappointment to bring them closer together. And that's such a beautiful example for us. You know, pain and deep disappointment usually drives us up or down. Rarely does it leave us the same. It doesn't. It's one of those things where there are certain things in life that one thing is certain. We will not be the same coming out of it. Now, we're either going to, like I said, get better or we're going to get bitter. We're going to either come out of it stronger or we're going to get beaten down. The choice is going to be ours. We're going to talk about that. But I love Zechariah and Elizabeth because they modeled a deep love for God and a gratitude that was not dependent on them, listen, just getting what they wanted. They, they didn't make their love for God or faith in him conditional on him giving them what they wanted. That's huge. That's so good. And another thing here, attitude. You know, we choose our attitudes. I, I may not be able to choose my circumstances or the decision of those who impact me, uh, but I can choose my attitude. Like, I can't control other people. You can't either. But we can control our attitude. We choose that. We choose that. I remember reading something that John Maxwell wrote about attitude, and that's one of the areas where he's just a, a wonderful expert, communicator on attitude and positive thinking. Maxwell, who's a believer, wrote this. He says, we cannot choose how many years we will live, but we can choose how much life those years will have. Hmm. We cannot control the beauty of our face. I can't control that, but we can control the expression on it. Wow. We cannot control life's difficult moments, but we can choose to make life less difficult. We cannot control the negative atmosphere of the world, but we can control the atmosphere of our minds. Yes, we can. Too often we try to choose and control things we cannot. Too seldom we choose to control what we can. And what is that? Our attitude. You went on to write, we can't change our past. <laughs> can't do it. We can't change the fact that people act in a certain way. No. We can't change, cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, Maxwell writes, that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Ooh, how true is that? Okay, let's go back to where we left off. Luke 1, but this time I'm gonna go back to the ESV. Uh, it's a little more accurate than the message translation. And I just want to sit with it a little bit more here and watch what happens to Zechariah as he's engaged in this moment that he could not have envisioned where he's literally speaking to an angel, a, a, a heavenly creature, a heavenly person, a heavenly being has come down and is communicating with him. Uh, and well, let's just read what it says. The words that came to him, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. So this strange being is communicating this truth to Zechariah. 
And I, again, I love how the message <laughs> rendered this earlier, saying, you're gonna leap like a gazelle for joy. You're gonna leap like a gazelle for joy. And not only you, many will delight in his birth. He goes on to say, for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So the angel is saying, you are both are about to have a child. He's gonna be a son. He's not just any son, he's gonna be a special son that is called to a unique purpose unlike any other individual in the history of the world. But there are certain things that are gonna characterize his life, one of which is he's gonna have an anointing on his life, a calling. He's gonna be great before the Lord. He is destined for greatness in God's eyes. And two, he's to be a Nazarite. That is, he is to live a life of extreme self-discipline. He was not to drink alcohol, we're told here. Rather to live with uh, uh, uncommon sobriety and clarity. And he was to be filled with the spirit, the presence, and the prophetic word of the Lord will be upon him, right? And he will, and he will turn many, verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. That is, he will be a, a, a prophetic reformer. Like the silence between the Older Testament and what is about to happen is being broken right now. And there hadn't been a prophet since, you know, 400 years and Malachi, and now God is on the move. And we're being told that this baby that is gonna come into a barren womb uh, is gonna precede the coming of Messiah. And that he's not just gonna be like anybody, he's gonna have the, the anointing of a, of a prophet upon him, like those of old, that is gonna cause people to return to God. He's literally gonna prepare the way for the coming of Messiah. Verse 17, and he will go before him in the spirit, there it is, and the power of Elijah one of the great prophets, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Think about what he's being told here. This miraculous child, this miraculous baby that's about to grow inside of your wife's womb, even in her old age, in that barren womb, life is going to explode and this baby will become a man who will literally confront a degenerate age. And not only that, not only is he gonna have a confrontational aspect to what he does, he's going to unify where there has been division and neglect. He's gonna turn fathers to their children, see this idea of uni unity. And he will cause people who are disobeying God to return to the path of wisdom, like the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And then he's gonna prepare the way for Messiah. That's a stunning description. It's an amazing statement that was being made. And Zechariah, Zechariah said to the angel, <laughs> verse 18, how, how shall I know this? For I'm, a, I'm an old man and, and my wife is advanced in years. So check this out, although Zechariah was a godly man, a man of deep conviction, he nonetheless staggered in unbelief. Do you see it? His faith buckled under the weight of the word. You know, this word was meant to encourage and excite him uh, to, to do as we said earlier, 
make him jump with, leap with joy like a gazelle. But it did not happen. Zechariah was a priest. He, of all his people, would have been familiar with the Holy Scriptures, what we refer to as the Older Testament, right? And specifically, he would have been familiar with one of the great moments in Scripture, a key story in the life of his people, a key moment in God's engagement with humanity. I'm talking about the story of Abraham and Sarah and the miraculous birth of Isaac. Think about that. When Sarah's womb was dead with old age, God gave them a son. Remember, she laughed. That's why Isaac's name is Laughter. And so, <laughs> Zechariah, he probably taught this story many, many times. He, he had heard and referred to it many throughout, if you think about it, his entire lifetime, so many times that he, he couldn't even count them. And yet, <laughs> this is, he was when he was challenged to believe it for himself, he struggled. He could believe it that God did that in the past, some unique thing with, with the one who God uses to start everything, Abraham, really. That he could believe. But when it came to the idea that, well, God can do that in our life, that <laughs> was a different story. And I can totally relate to that. Can't you? I mean, it is such a, such a human thing. It's such a, a real thing. <laughs> you Listen, we can, we can love God, you and me. We can love God sincerely, <sighs> believe in the teachings of Scripture, engage Him devotionally, study his word consistently and yet find it super tough when we are being challenged to believe in a word for ourselves. Like I can believe that God did that, but not necessarily that he can do that for me. And there are moments where the Lord will say, you need to stretch your faith. You need to believe because my answer is, is a yes waiting for you to say yes to it. In Zechariah's case, he clearly struggled to believe that what he was experiencing was actually happening and that, the, and, and that what he was being told was going to happen. And the whole thing seemed to rattle him a bit. And, uh, you know, when he says, hey, how, how can this even be, right? The, the messenger of God was not amused. I can put it that way, right? The angel, the angel answered him, look, I am Gabriel. I, I, do you understand who I am? Do you understand what's happening here? I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Gabriel, if we may say, it, 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 well, he's, he's caught a bit off guard by the response and, and he, he, he wasn't prepared for it. He, he, he just assumed... Zechariah was going to just be so happy and start praising God and, and go, unbelievable. But no, he, what he got back was, well, I don't, I don't understand how this is even possible. And the angel Gabriel appears to have interpreted it as an expression of unbelief. He seems to have interpreted Zechariah's response as a, listen, negative confession. And we can do that. We can do that. Let's not negatively confess. 
I'm not saying that every time we're supposed to positively confess, but let's be careful about negative confession. I mean, look, Zechariah knows the, the history of God's working. He is in the midst of the most intense spiritual undertaking of his life. The, the, what he's doing, he's only gonna do once in his entire life. It's everything that he's dreamed about doing. He's literally in the, in the holy place representing God's people. He's, this is the one time in his entire life where he's gonna have this amazing opportunity. He's probably never felt closer to God than in this moment. Look, think about it. He's literally talking to an angel that has stepped out of the immaterial into the material. And yet, he's questioning. Think about it. He says, how can this be? He's talking to an angel who's appeared out of nowhere, sharing, and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's sharing with this being, maybe, maybe look, who looks a lot like a man, I don't know, would seem that way. He's sharing his need for a sign to reinforce his faith because the angel he's talking to is not enough. It's like, <laughs> I, and I, I hear Gabriel basically say, you can't be serious. You can't be serious. You, you, you want a sign. You want a sign, all right? I mean, that's, that's what you're asking for me? How shall I know this? You know, I'll need a little more proof. I need a little more reinforcement here. Ah, okay. It's, it, it's all, you want a sign? <laughs> I'll give you a sign. Here it is. Are you ready? Verse 20. And behold, you'll be silent. You want a sign? Okay, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not. So any question about whether or not that question on the part of Zechariah was a kind of statement of unbelief or reluctance to believe is clarified for us here. Because Gabriel says, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. You questioned what I was saying instead of receiving them. And so you're going to have silence as a sign. Oh, the silence of our unbelief. Lord, oh, Lord, increase our faith. Verse 21, and the people, they were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple because he, he, he was taking longer. Is he okay? Did something happen to him? Did the excitement get to him? Should we check? What's, what's taking so long? And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. What took you so long? What's wrong? couldn't talk. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. That's what they assumed, that he had some kind of, you know, supernatural experience with God, a, a divine kind of, they, in their case, they thought he had a vision of some type, like something euphoric in the spirit that just got him and stunned him and overwhelmed him. And they weren't that far off. I mean, there was something close to that. And he kept making signs to them, but he remained mute. He couldn't talk. Basically, he's saying something amazing happened. All right, I can't, I can't even do it, but you know what I'm saying. 
And I'm so looking forward to digging into this next week. I really do believe as we enter into this special season, this mir miracle season, that the Lord, how can I say this, is challenging us to give less expression to our unbelief and doubt and instead open up our hearts in wonder and faith. I really, I, I believe that God's asking this of all of us. And just to take it one step further, I believe what the Lord is inviting us into in this Christmas time, this season that we're in, this journey we're making to Bethlehem, is to cultivate a more childlike faith that allows us to be more open to God's miracle capacity. I'll say that one more time. That the Lord is inviting us to cultivate a more childlike faith that allows us to be more open to God's miracle capacity. I mean, first, as it relates to Christmas itself, to honor the real meaning of what it is when we say God has come to us. I mean, that is a miracle. Did God really do that? So we're marking Christmas, not just as a, a wonderful, happy tradition that our culture really likes because it's got a lot of fun things attached to it. And I'm not diminishing those fun things. I think it should be fun. It should have a lot of gifts and joy and wonderful family time and friendship time and community time and, I, I, and, and food and laughter. I, I think as much of that as we can have wonderful, connected to Jesus, but it's not just nice things. It's the real thing. It's God come to us. And I pray that by the time we get to that Christmas Eve moment, we, we just say, Lord, our hearts are so open to you. Ha <laughs> ha, childlike faith. We welcome you in Christmas morning. But so not just as it relates to Christmas itself, but also it reminds us of what he wants to do in us, through us and around us. There's something, if I can put it this way, I suspect that the Lord is wanting to birth in you and in me in these next few weeks, in this season of Christ's celebration. And let's just stay open to that. Let's just stay way open. Come on. What's more? Let's do one more thing. Let's welcome God's good news with joy. One of the things that hindered the beautiful moment and sent Zechariah into silence was his reluctance to rejoice over the good news. Think about that. God was giving him good news. You're going to have a son. Your wife's about to have a son, a miracle son, who's going to prepare the way for Messiah Jesus, right? He didn't know it was Jesus at the time, for Messiah, the promised one. And that was meant to open up his heart. But he missed it. He missed it. He, 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 he couldn't rejoice over the good news. And I just, I just feel like the Lord is wanting all of us to choose to rejoice in this season with gratitude in our heart for the miracle son. I'm, now I'm talking about Jesus that has been born. That's, <laughs> that's good news in a bad news world. Yes, it is. Lord, don't let me pull back in unbelief. Help me to be wide open and full of joy at what you have done and what you are yet to do. All right, let's keep that in mind. We're going to share a song connecting right to this theme. I'll come back and close us out.
cannot bear to look upon your face How can it be you offer grace Stripped of my dignity, I have no pride All of my failures right before my eyes There is no place left to hide
Lord Jesus, we just declare you are the good news in a bad news world. So just fill us with faith, fill us with great faith, fill us with gratitude, fill us with joy. I'm talking about exceeding great joy. Yeah, fill us up, Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's what we're celebrating. I don't wanna be caught flat-footed at the Lord's invitation. I don't want you to be caught flat-footed either. I want us to be on our toes, ready to rejoice. Heart of a child, hearts wide open. God's doing great things, he's done great things. The Savior has come and he wants to come to us. The Savior has been born. He wants to be born in us. He has a desire to birth things through us and have others touched by the real faith that is at work in our lives. Remember, we choose our attitudes and I choose to say, I love you, Jesus, and I welcome your coming fresh into my heart. And I pray God's blessing over all of you, the blessing of Christmas, the blessing of Christ, the joy of the Lord may it be yours now and forever in Jesus' name. Hey everyone, Pastor Jonathan here again. I hope you were encouraged and blessed by our online message here today. If there was something that stood out to you, I encourage you to write it down and maybe send it to a friend and encourage them as well. And as you're sharing, just letting you know, you can also share our online message. Maybe there was something that stood out to you that you think a friend or a family member might also be blessed by. So I encourage you to do that. Now, I would like to share one thing with you and that's about Christmas. You know, Christmas is coming up in a couple of weeks and this year Christmas Eve actually lands on the 24th, which is a Sunday. Uh, I'm excited for that, but I wanna let you know that our online service is still happening, same time, nothing's changing there, and then us meeting at Reardon at 10 o'clock in the Bay Area, San Francisco, and on Frida Callaway, still happening. Now the only difference is we are adding our candlelight service at 6 p.m. at our Reardon campus. So if you're in the Bay Area, if you're able to make it, I encourage you, it's such a blessing, one, just to be together. Um, there's nothing can pull away from the community being together. Being able to read scripture together and worship, especially on Christmas Eve and being reminded of the coming of Jesus, the baby boy to be born. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun, my friends. So I encourage you, if you're in the Bay Area, at our Reardon campus, 6 p.m., our candlelight service, see you there. But with that being said, I hope you were encouraged once again, be blessed, and let's continue to walk in the ways of Jesus.
this place I cannot bear to look upon your face How can it be you offer grace Stripped of my dignity, I have no pride All of my failures right before my eyes There is no place left to hide Let